Welcome to Rumination, Lessons in Livestock, Tips for New Livestock Producers. My name is Selena Phillips, and I'm an animal science professor, and will be explaining basic animal production concepts monthly. In episode 3 of Rumination Lessons in Livestock, I defined eight feed classes and begin to develop our understanding of how these feeds are used in livestock ration formulation. I hear this a lot. I have access to this feed, which is way cheaper than feed B, so that means it's fine, right? A feed is just a feed, isn't it? Well, maybe. It depends on so many factors. The majority of feeds available to our livestock are plant-based. There are so many factors that can affect the quality of the plant used to develop the feeds, such as the environment, the climate, fertilization, and common management strategies that the decisions that the producers make when raising the crop. So therefore, not all feeds are created equal. For example, alfalfa hay from the Imperial Valley of Southern California is different in quality than alfalfa hay from the Upper Midwest. Why? Factors such as soil type, climate, water availability all play a role in the quality of that feed. To understand feed quality, we need to understand the categories of feeds that we're dealing with. I like to equate feed categories or feed classes as like breeds of livestock. They're based upon groups of common characteristics and what they can supply to an animal's diet. Therefore, we are looking for certain categories of feeds to supplement into rations and can make decisions based upon these categories. Feeding livestock is a global business. There are feeds available in Northern Africa that we do not have in the U.S. For that matter, there are feeds in my region of California, like almond holes, or for most people everywhere outside of California, almond holes, that are not available anywhere else. As a result of the vast array of feeds, as a result of the vast array of feeds in the global ag industry, the International Feed Numbering, or IFN, system was developed. The IFN is a six-digit numbers whose first digit represents one of the eight feed categories. So if I'm looking up feeds in another region and I see an IFN starting with a four, I know that that represents an energy feed. In turn, I can make some general assumptions about that feed and what it would bring to an animal's diet. Let's go through the eight IFN categories. The first three IFN categories are what we call a roughage. Roughages contain more than 18% fiber. This means that they tend to be bulky, they will fill up the gut, and require some form of microbial digestion or fermentation to optimize their use. IFN category one is dry roughages. Haze, straw, cottonseed holes, all fall into category one. 
Category 2 is pastures and forages fed green. Irrigated pasture, fresh alfalfa being grazed. Green chop, feeds that are chopped immediately from the field and taken to the animals. There's no delay or wilting. The third roughage category, or IFN number three, are silages and haylages. These are forages preserved by anaerobic fermentation. I like when I'm teaching students, I tell them to think about sauerkraut or kimchi or any of the fermented foods that we eat as people. That's essentially what silage is for livestock. So again, IFN category one is dry roughages. Category two is pastures and forages fed green. Three is silages and haylages. Those are all, those three make up roughages. The next five categories generally represent what we call the concentrates. Concentrates contain less than 18% fiber and are not bulky in the animal's gut. These feeds tend to be more readily available to the animal and responsive to chemical and enzymatic digestion. IFN 4, category 4 feeds, are energy feeds. These concentrates contain less than 20% protein. Common sources include the cereal grains and their byproducts, things like corn, corn gluten feed, um, wheat, wheat bran, so, uh, wheat middlings. Those types of feeds tend to fall into this energy feed category. Category 5 is the protein supplements, and these contain more than 20% crude protein. Examples of, so of protein supplements are the meals that remain after oilseed extraction, soybean meal, canola meal, cottonseed meal, linseed meal. We can also have protein sources of animal origin, such as blood meal, meat and bone meal, and even the marine sources like fish meal. Category 6 is mineral supplements, and these supply the inorganic nutrients that animals need to have their bodies function at optimal levels. Category 7 includes the vitamin supplements, including yeast, which is a great source of some of the vitamins. These feed supplements uh, provide the organic compounds that are needed for metabolic efficiency in our livestock. The last category, category 8, are additives. These are many of the medical supplements, hormonal supplements, or general health and well-being supplements that support an animal's digestion and metabolism but they may not necessarily contribute nutrients directly to the animal. These are the eight foundation uh, feed categories for developing rations for livestock. One more run through them just to make sure we're clear on them. Category one, dry roughages. Category two, pastures and forages fed green. Category three, silages and haylages. Category four, energy feeds. Category 5, protein supplements. Category 6, the mineral supplements. Category 7, the vitamin supplements. And finally, category 8, feed additives. A few years ago, I came across an article from the University of Minnesota Dairy Extension titled Formulating Dairy Cow Rations. And they presented a concept for dairy cow nutrition that was a food pyramid, similar to the, the older FDA model for people. 
And I remember as a kid, like we learned the FDA food pyramid for um, nutrition when we were in grade school and stuff like that. So like any good teacher, I thought this was a great idea and I pirated it and have been using it to teach species-specific ration correlation. This allows students to learn what feed categories to prioritize first. Too often, I see those just learning ration formulation, worrying about the, the micronutrients, like what vitamins and minerals do I need to give my animals, when a major factor like total calories, they're just not getting enough energy, is the problem. So we need to build a foundation for our animals' rations and go from there. So to explain this food pyramid concept, let's start with an herbivore example. Of course, I'm going to go with cattle because that's my background is ruminant nutrition. And so the foundation for all herbivores, they eat plant-based diets, right? And in episode two, we talked about their superpower being able to convert feeds that are pastures and stuff like that that we couldn't utilize as humans into a product we can utilize. So these would be feeds from categories one, two, or three, the dry roughages, pasture, or ensiled forages. These are essential for proper microbial fermentation and in turn essential to the animal's health and production as well. So the level one or the foundation for an herbivore food pyramid is going to be coming from categories one, two, or three. We want to make sure they have enough roughage in their diet to support the level of production and the microbial population mostly that's going to help our animal out with some of the other feeds. Once we have the base of roughages, the next question to resolve is, are the animals getting enough calories or energy? It doesn't matter what else you add to a ration. If they're simply not getting enough calories, they are not going to perform. So that's why energy generally becomes the second consideration in herbivore diets, making sure they have enough calories. So if you can visualize a pyramid with forages as the base or roughages as the base, the second tier would be energy feeds. So once we make sure our animal's getting the calories they need, and that's not going to be an issue, next limiting nutrient tends to be protein. So protein supplements are considered the third level of my food pyramid. Protein needs for livestock can be described in many ways, and that's probably going to be a future episode. But however it is, def but however it is defined, protein tends to be the next limiting nutrient after we've gotten take or after we've taken care of calories and just the general energy of the ration. So just remember, category four, the protein supplements, becomes that third level of the food pyramid for the herbivores. Once we've met the calorie needs and the protein needs of these animals, now we can evaluate the micronutrients. Based and this was going to totally depend upon what species we're dealing with. So minerals and vitamins become the fourth and fifth levels of the food pyramid for herbivores. Once we have taken care of the major requirements, energy, protein, vitamins, and minerals, then we can consider the additives. And only then should we utilize them because we know what we need to resolve. Additives are designed for a specific purpose, usually to promote appetite, health, and well-being, or potentially even pro providing exogenous or outside hormones to the animals. 
Some examples of additives used in ruminant, definitely not equine diets, include ionophores, such as rumensin or bovitec. Sometimes melangesterol acetate, or MGA, is fed in feedlots to heifers to suppress behavioral estrus, or the signs of coming in heat, as that takes them off feed, can affect rate of gain, and feed efficiency, as well as the risk of injuries from some of the, the behavioral estrus the animals might be exhibiting. In contrast, for a non-ruminant omnivore, such as the pig, roughages are not going to be that foundation ingredient. They rely more heavily on chemical and enzymatic digestion, as compared to the microbial fermentation we see in the herbivores. Therefore, the foundation level for the pig is going to be the energy feed, the cereal grain, if you will. That's why corn is a common base for swine diets. Pigs actually will eat to meet their calorie needs. They can, will get enough calories to say, mm, okay, I'm done for now. And so as a result, we don't have the same concerns as we do with herbivores that we need to make sure they get enough calories because sometimes they can't eat enough of those roughages to get the calories they need. So with pigs, the base of the, the food pyramid for swine is going to be the energy feeds. And in most cases, it's going to be a cereal grain such as corn. So now, once we make sure the pigs are getting enough calories, protein becomes the next limiting. Specifically with swine, we worry about the essential amino acids. And so most commonly, soybean meal is used to complement corn. And generally, we can get pretty close to an appropriate balance of amino acids in these corn and soybean meal-based diets. However, sometimes supplemental amino acids may be needed, and we can do that through a variety of feeds, or there are synthetic amino acids that can be added to the diet to make sure we're meeting those pigs' needs for what they, they require from amino acids. From there, the pyramid becomes similar. Now we will consider vitamins, minerals, and additives. Ruffages may be considered more in that additive range, for example, in um, farrowing sows that require some additional fiber in their diet, but it is not the foundation ingredient. So for a pig, the food pyramid starts with energy feeds, goes to protein supplements, vitamin and mineral supplements, and then the additives. And so regardless of what species you are feeding, take the time to review what the eight IFN categories are and learn what feeds for each category are available in your region and what value they can contribute to a ration. I hope if I, I have provided you with some fodder to ruminate on. Check out the Rumination podcast page on Facebook for links to some of the references and more information about this podcast. Next episode, we are going to dig into feed labels, what information is required, and what this information can and can't tell you. Join me next time on Rumination, Lessons in Livestock, Tips for New Livestock Producers.